Welcome to another edition of Market Impact Insights, your podcast source for business leadership perspectives to help your business grow. Hear from experts in marketing, sales, business strategy, and more with practical advice for business success. Make sure you won't miss the latest episodes by visiting marketimpactnow.com. Now, here's your host, Dan Albaum. Hello again. Today, we're going to take a look at how to make your company smarter. That is, how to become more intelligent through great market and competitive intelligence initiatives. And joining us to discuss this topic is Lori Wolf, a 25-year veteran of competitive and market intelligence for major companies including SAP, J.P. Morgan Chase, and Time Warner Cable. Lori, welcome to the program. Thanks. So you've had an extensive background in a number of companies in this area of competitive and market intelligence. Can you share a little bit more about what this function really is? How would you define it? And uh, what are some of the key learnings that you've taken away from that experience? Sure. Competitive intelligence is really you are defining, gathering, and analyzing, and then distributing information about your competitors, their products, their markets. And while market research is looking inside and outside, the very act of intelligence is you've got one foot outside the company and you're probably spending 75% of your time looking externally and scanning and then bringing it back in with like that 25% remaining your knowledge of the company and helping them to be more proactive versus reactive. And to get to that state of being more proactive, to really capture that incremental 25%, what are some of the key drivers of being very effective at performing competitive and market intelligence? Well, it takes time. It's not something that's going to happen right away. Um, When you start to get into predictive analytics, you need to be able to look backwards first to see patterns over time. The company who really does well with a competitive or market intelligence function is one that isn't really afraid to say that, hey, the emperor is not wearing any clothes. A lot of times it's a good idea for a company to hire externally when they're looking to fill an intelligence role because that person can be much less They can be looking at the external environment and saying, hey, these things are going to impact you. And you really need to be aware of that. You bring up a good point there because uh, to do it well, sometimes as the deliverer of tough but important news, you end up being the least uh, popular person in the room, right? Yes. (laughs) Um, I have had that happen a number of times. And whenever I'm doing presentations, I kind of have to psych myself up first and go, all right, Lori, remember, they're critiquing what you're saying and not you. To really be successful in CI or MI, you need to really have a thick skin. 
And you really need to be persistent at keeping and going after those executives who don't seem to want to hear what you're saying, because ultimately, if you can't break through, then it really isn't worthwhile for them to have this role. It's all about critical internal self-analysis at the end of the day. Yes. Yeah. and But for the companies that are able to really weather the storm in terms of really being open to reality, and, and sometimes it's tough news, not just positive news, um, what are some of the biggest measurable benefits that they're going to get? Probably one of the biggest benefits is if you've got a high-functioning intelligence program in place, what it's going to enable you to do is be much more nimble when some of those market disruptions happen. You know, there are companies, um, let's say, like uh, manufacturers of BlackBerry, I think it was Research in Motion, and they were totally unprepared when Apple dropped their iPhone. So that tells me they really didn't have an intelligence function in place, or if they had one, they weren't doing their job. Because that is all about what you want to look for. It is early warnings. Um, You may be monitoring some competitors and seeing, hey, you know what? Um, I've seen they're putting in a lot of new patents for something. I wonder what that means, what, what could be going on out there. So really, um, it's hard for a lot of companies to come up with a hard ROI on intelligence. So really, what you can tie good intelligence into is sound strategy. And it's all about being better able to anticipate and that's back yes. to your comment about proactive, which allows for um, obviously better planning and better performance, hopefully ultimately that you're able to measure. Yeah. And something that I would like to add about intelligence is the lines are kind of blurring now. There used to be a time where you had all these different roles. There was market research, there was analytics, there was intelligence. It's kind of all now coming together under one very powerful word, and that is insights, market insights, competitor insights, customer insights. So more and more, the intelligence professional is needing to go beyond the traditional SWOT analysis, Porter's five forces. What they need to do is they need to know a lot of the new tech technology coming out, especially data visualization and what that means and how it all fits together. Because especially if you are heading up an intelligence program, you need to kind of have a finger on the pulse of a lot of different things. You don't need to necessarily be in the weeds, but you definitely need to have an understanding of how a lot of the research and the analytics roles And at the end of the day, the gathering of the intelligence, um, the available data that's out there and the tools available to collect it, Lori, must have been transforming during your time in the function. So how have you seen that change and impact uh, the richness of what you're able to gather? 
Uh, one of the uh, probably most interesting things is, let's say, back in the early 90s, pretty much what you had was something like LexisNexis. And these days, LexisNexis is mostly for the legal profession. You've now got a plethora of vendors out there focusing on any number of industries. So if you've got a budget, and you don't necessarily need to have a million-dollar budget, if you've got a budget of, say, twenty to $50,000, you can get a pretty feature-rich, robust function that will automate gathering of data. So you aren't sitting there Googling and hitting on these websites. And what's even more important is you can leverage these tools and their portals to deliver items of interest to your internal stakeholders. So you're not going to be sending a lot of emails that just say FYI and clogging up people's inboxes. Right, right. And in addition to securing the funds and making the choice to invest in market and competitive intelligence, what are some of the other biggest obstacles you've seen companies face uh, in being able to be successful? In that area, I think um, a lot of companies, when they are starting to get a glimmer that they need an intelligence function, what usually happens is you might have two or three people doing a little bit of it, but they can only do a little because they've still got their day jobs. And finally, the need for it rolls up so much that they decide to hire somebody. I think a really big mistake a lot of companies make when they're hiring for the function is they look for industry expertise and not skill set. Industry, you can train people on. You can teach them skill set, especially a strong intelligence skill set evolves over time. Uh, There is now, I think, one college that offers a degree in the U.S. in competitive intelligence. But it's important to note that is in an academic setting. So while somebody may get that four-year degree and be perfectly poised to start off on the career, it's still going to take them some time to understand how a business operates So I do think companies need to back off on the industry focus and really just hire for the skill set. And have you seen once someone jumps in and is performing that role on a day-in, day-out basis, there's probably a natural uh, growth and development that occurs, right? Just as they build up more experience uh, in delivering within that. Sure. And a lot of times, at least this is what I say, when I join a company and I'm building the intelligence function from scratch, generally, I've got to do a lot of listening. I've got to do a little interviewing, um, sitting on calls, going to meetings, and just being a sponge and soaking up what people are saying. And when you hear the questions and problems that they have, you're probably going to start off where it's 100% pull. And that means the internal stakeholders are all pulling from you. You know, they're telling you what they need. As you get a little bit more savvy and you start to understand the industry and particularly the company culture, that is going to switch a little bit. It might 
it might go up to 20% poll, where the intelligence practitioner is hearing they need this on a regular basis. So we'll get that 20% poll, I'm sorry, 20% push and 80% poll. And then as things become more mature, you might go to 50-50, but then there could be a market disruption and that will throw it out of whack. And you could go back to 10% poll, 90% push. So it's important to know that as the intelligence program is getting more mature, if you ever are talking to a company and they say, well, you know, it's a hundred percent push, you know, we know everything we need. That means the intelligence practitioner and perhaps the company itself believes they know absolutely everything they need to know and they're really not looking for additional insights. So it's just important to know that it's kind of a cyclical type thing. You bring up a really good point there. That arrogance or that overconfidence in how much knowledge you have can really be dangerous and many highly disruptive uh, technology markets are so dynamic. And so uh, what I'm hearing you say is that flexibility, adaptability, all of that rolls into how you successfully manage this function. Absolutely. You don't want to be too, um, and I hesitate to say this, but you don't want to be too formal in your program because when you get that way, and as she brought up, arrogance, it can lead to a lot of short-sightedness. And with intelligence, you, you really have to be creative. And you've constantly, you have to have one eye outside the company, one eye inside the company. Because as I said, just when you think it's where it needs to be, there will be a market disruption and the mix will shift. So, Lori, any other advice you'd have for companies that are thinking about or early in their journey of building out a competitive and market intelligence function? The first thing that you really need to do is figure out what questions you are trying to answer. Um, Companies will say, hey, we hired a director of CI, and that person is going to bring two people on board in the next year, and we're going to have a really well-fleshed-out CI program great, but what are the questions? You know, you can say, we've got this this SWOT analysis in place. We've got competitor profiles over here. Great, but what is it doing for you? If your fundamental question is, how does our strategy differ from competitor A? And is that something we should be concerned about? That's a whole different question. That's not just, we have this in place. And it's one thing as intelligence practitioner that um, I struggle with, and that is you have people who know how to ask good business-based strategic questions. And then you have people who say, I need to know what our market share is in Canada. Great. What's that going to do for you? So there are some people that you deal with who will never really get to asking the right questions, but there will other there will be other people you can teach about asking questions. And then there are probably some high-level strategy people who've got burning issues they have to resolve. And often they will be some of your best customers just because they're insightful enough to look at what the weakness is and the lack of knowledge is so they can ask the right questions. 
Very, very astute point, which is uh, ultimately the value of the answer is all based on how you choose to focus uh, on on the question and then the pursuit of the answer. So, Lori, thanks again for joining us uh, and making us all a bit smarter to help our companies be smarter. Thanks, Stephen. And remember to visit marketimpactnow.com for the latest in business leadership perspectives. So long until next time.